The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, New York Magazine's sex podcast. I'm New York Magazine sex columnist Maureen O'Connor, and with me today is Allison Davis of The Cut. Welcome back, Allison. Thanks, Maureen. A very sick Allison. Yeah, I apologize, everyone, for this cold voice, but I think I sound maybe sexier. I think it's sexier, perhaps. Cool, let's go with that. Um, David is unfortunately away this week, but Allison and I are just going to hold down the fort. (laughs) (laughs) Why do we laugh when we say that? Um, This week, we're going to be featuring a big batch of voicemails from the Sex Lives voicemail box, which you guys have all been blowing up lately, so thank you for that. Uh, As a reminder, you can leave us a message anytime at 646-494-3590. Uh, Usually we save the messages for the end of the show, but we had such an interesting backlog, we decided that we would kick off the new year with all of your voicemails and some of our our favorites. But first, back in December, Allison wrote a fascinating piece about her experience test driving something called the True Love Tinder Robot. Allison, can you tell me a little more about that? Yes. Well, unfortunately, this was just like a prototype for something that I really hope is going to be true soon. Uh Um, But this grad student at NYU, Nicole He, um, for her thesis project, basically made this robot hand that was like straight out of the uncanny valley that was programmed to swipe your Tinder for you. So you would uh, put your hands on this, this sensor and it would read your like whether or not you your heartbeat sped up when you saw somebody or you got a little bit sweatier, and then based on that body response, it would notice swipe right or left. I'm really bad at Tinder, and I figured this robot would, like, read something in my body that I that So I the idea know. is that it's using the, the galvanic responses, yes. as I believe I read in your article. So the idea, though, is that it's, it's sensing that, like, you saw this face. And I liked it. And your body is saying yes. So maybe my mind is saying no. He's got, a like, a... Burning Man photo, but my body. But yeah, your is, hands are like yes. yeah. My hands are saying yes, and the Tinder robot picks up on that. And then the creepy little hand actually physically swipes your phone. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because it's like this. It's a big hand, so it kind of has <laughs> a hard time. Sw- it had a hard time swiping, so it kind of smacks your phone, and that is enough to send. That's how it feels sometimes. Tinder, you know? <laughs> I know. Um, and I was kind of surprised because maybe we just took a while to like mind meld, but there were so many things that. Um, so many people, rather, not things, people that the, the Tinder robot would swipe left because my body didn't respond the right way. And then we were on these horrible finance guys, and I guess maybe my body actually liked that because this was really Tinder robot swiped right. Because it seemed like Tinder robot just categorically did the opposite of what you wanted yes. it to do. But then I'm like, Tinder robot must know something that I don't about my love life, like that I should stop choosing tattoos and choose dorky finance guys. In the end, like, no, I think this thing was just glitchy and, like, I was getting progressively <laughs> sweatier because the room was hot. Um, or, like, you see you have a panic reaction. Can you have a panic <laughs> reaction and then your heart would start racing, racing a little bit more? Maybe. Um, but I think what Nicole's project kind of points out is that we are all so willing to put our faith in, like, something else yeah. to make these decisions for us because we're all kind of bad at it. This was so interesting to me because, first of all, there's a certain wisdom to this idea of, like, do we actually know what we want when we're when we're dating, when you're, like, making choices? You know, like, so often people will be like, well, I'll never date a guy less than six feet tall. But, you know, they fall in love with somebody shorter than that, you right. know, like all kinds of things. So there's this wisdom to that. But then it's so funny to me how also we just have this, like, overwhelming feeling of what do I even want? Who the fuck knows? Right. Does so this just, robot know? I don't know. I don't, Maybe. Like, but I'll cede all control to it anyway, which scares me in terms of thinking about our robot futures anyway. It's not like quickly I'm willing to 
pass it off. Um, but I, she did mention, which I thought was interesting, that like in the future she can foresee this sort of technology being used with like an Apple iWatch and Tinder. Like this, ah. this actually could be the way that we're using dating apps um, somewhere down the line, just because you know, like smartwatches are becoming such a thing. Which scares me a little bit. Have you gone on a date with any of the men that Tinder Robot swiped for you? I did talk to one dude for a little bit, but it was the holidays and things got derailed. I mean, also it's Tinder, so like no one's ever going to meet. But it was like a fine conversation. He was a finance guy. Allison, you have to go on a date with one of the Tinder Robot people. Or you could send a robot in your stead to go on the date for what you. One of those like weird sex robots? I think he might prefer that. <laughs> that does, maybe Tinder Robot was just going for the ones I wanted to date with robots. <laughs> Underminer. Underminer, jeez. So we've been talking about Allison's piece on the True Love Tinder Robot, recently published on The Cut. Next up, we'll listen to some of our favorite voicemails. spent a pretty substantial amount of airtime on this show discussing an article from The Tab by a man named William Lloyd called Why I Don't Go Down on Girls. We actually had William himself on the show to explain himself and the amazing turnaround he's had that um, after being ridiculed by all of the internet and us, he now has decided he might go down on girls. So anyway, we asked you guys um, to call in and tell us if you've ever dated somebody who wouldn't go down on you. And here's what one of you had to say. I was dating a guy last year for six months or so, and not only did he never go down on me, he wouldn't finger me. He wouldn't touch my vagina, anything except his penis inside. And I asked him why one day, and he said, hey, it's just, it's kind of gross. It's really kind of gross. And I asked him if he ever had, and he said, what? Of course, of course I have. And anyway, then, a few months after we broke up, he told me he'd been thinking about what it would be like to fuck a man. And then we never spoke again. I was just literally waiting for it to end so I could be like, your boyfriend's gay. Right, he does not actually like He's vagina. just only going to engage it when he doesn't have to look at it. Not that everybody who's afraid of vaginas is gay or that gay men are all afraid of vaginas. In fact, many, many straight men are afraid of vaginas. <laughs> as you've learned from But William usually Lloyd. only when they're 22 but years old, as our dear William Lloyd is. I feel bad for her, because for that guy just to be like, it's gross. Because like, there's no way you're not going to take that slightly personally. Oh, like, no, that's so fucking rude. I know. You know, and I like for me thinking that if I had heard that, especially if it was like an early sexual experience, then you'd always think your vagina is kind of gross. You know, it's scarring, it's very scarring. You've got to be careful, guys. It's really weird how, as a woman, you're at this like weird disadvantage because you cannot physically see your vagina without like a mirror or something. You right. know what I mean? And, like being very like, limber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, there actually is something where somebody's like, your vagina looks like X, Y, Z. And I'm like, does it? I don't know. I it's like I'll take your all the way down it. there. I don't see other people's vaginas. They're the expert, often. really. So yeah. Nothing, nothing else to go on. It's strange. Whereas, like, I feel like men are so, like, aware of their penises because it's just, like, in full view at all times. Right. All well, on out there. The vagina is, like, this weird, like, self-mystery. <laughs> I, I just had this, like, twisted mini fantasy while you were talking about being like an avenger for these women and just going around and telling men their penises are all disgusting looking and crooked but maybe that's that's not the right way to make this right for people i've known a few people who avenge that way (laughs) and it is not a good scene okay never mind (laughs) calling it off standing down 
Uh, next up, an interesting response to last week's show, during which we spoke to Kevin Allison, host of the Risk podcast and an outspoken fan of Kinky Sex. And at the end of that interview, we ventured into the extremely choppy waters of racial fetishes in the online dating community. And one of you called in with this question. Hey, all. Uh, name is John. Yeah, New England transplant to Idaho mountain region. Anyway, I'm just curious about where the overlap between racism and just preference falls in. And granted, I'm sure there's some subconscious bias there, cultural bias going on, but um, I don't know, not to be glib about it, but is it uh, how, how far different from having a favorite automobile or, I don't know, whatever other uh, insignificant, not that this is insignificant, but, um, yeah, it just really had me thinking and would love to hear more about it. Um, so the difference between preferring a Japanese car and preferring a Japanese woman is that we are not objects. We are human <laughs> like, female. Let's just listen to how these sentences sound. I don't want to buy that Volkswagen because it's black. I don't want to fuck that person because she's black. I don't think we think, which one sounds worse? It's not a parallel. You know, the one thing, (laughs) when I think about why racial fetishes bother me so much, I think there's sort of two components. First of all, I mean, there's many components, but I mean, there is just the inherent awkwardness and uncomfortableness of the way people deal with racial biases. But then there's also this feeling of that I don't want everybody, the first thing they see when they see me is Asian. Like, that's essentially what it says, that if I'm being filtered, if the number one filter for the guy is my race, then that means what he sees about me is my race above and of all things. And it's funny because when I think about that, I know that actually that kind of is the way a lot of the world works. But I, at least in the one sacred zone of the person I love, I would like to imagine to that person, I am not just Asian face. I do think that there is something to be said for, say, like, I'm a minority. I want to date other people who are minorities or like I need that experience kind right. of thing. We've talked about this before. Um, yeah, I think that there, you know, there can be some sort of like cultural arguments, I think, or like shared experience type arguments. Although um, a white dude who tells me I only date Asian chicks will just like never get in the fucking door. Sorry, guy. <laughs> I know the white dudes who are like, I only date black chicks always want to prove that they're like blacker than me somehow by spouting <laughs> rap lyrics which is great. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that you have a, a deeper insight into the black experience because you can rap Forgot About Dre from memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also sort of don't want you to be more invested in my race than I'm invested in my race. And I'm pretty invested in my race. But right. yeah, every now and then that I'm like, you know, I don't speak Chinese. If you want to speak Chinese, cool for you. But that's not even actually part of my race, my experience. But we, ha- I feel like we need to give it to this guy who's like a New England transplant in Idaho, which is just like, I, I don't think I've heard anything whiter in the past. Yeah, I don't think it's going to come up a lot in his life. No, but good for him for asking, for like trying to stay woke or whatever the kids say. Is that what the guys who want to date black should say to you, Allison? (laughs) That's the thing people say about staying away oh, yeah. in, you know, no 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 I think it's important I mean, yeah so no what I really appreciate especially with that episode with Kevin Allison is that I think because he has a racial fetish he or pretty much categorically dates Asian guys um, and I do appreciate somebody being able to sort of articulate how this pattern came to be why it came to be and being thoughtful about it um, and I don't want to just automatically jump down someone's throat every time they say something like that right although I guess historically I sort of do just I wouldn't use the car analogy again yeah, yeah that's the only... um, I mean, because the key is cars actually are objects, whereas <laughs> women don't like to be objectified necessarily. No. Unless you're in a loving relationship already. Right. 
So earlier this episode, we discussed Allison's adventures with the Tinder robot. But in another recent piece, Allison looked at ways people could use Airbnb as a hookup app of sorts, whether they're renting someone's pad to host their orgies, whether they're trying to sleep with the hottie they're renting from. And this listener called in to share a personal experience inspired by that discussion. So I happened to have a very cute Airbnb host a few years ago. We hung out in the apartment, smoked, listened to records, and there was definitely some sexual tension. But I held back in part because of something that you guys did not talk about, which is that I was paying him money and we were about to give each other customer reviews. So Airbnb sex sounds all well and good, but I, but I wonder sort of what are the ethics around it? Doesn't it run the risk of functioning as a kind of prostitution? I'm not totally convinced about what I think and wondered what you all thought about it. I don't think it's prostitution at all. I mean, you're not paying him for the actual sex. You're paying him for the room in his apartment. So that's a separate Yeah, but if you end up sleeping in his bed, then why are you paying for the room? Ooh, slippery slope. I mean, yeah. but you're also paying to use his hot water and electricity. True. So still, utilities, not sex. Totally <laughs> separate transaction. Oh. Actually, there was a... I think there was an Airbnb brothel. So maybe this was 2013. There was a woman who rented someone's apartment to use to like bring up her uh, her Johns. So she was mm. like renting it as an uh, a little hourly yeah. brothel that day. That could be a which is like a real violation of personal space. Yeah. Know? Ooh. Um. I guess that could be like a crazy cover for your prostitution ring. But like, I have to wonder, like, would an Airbnb brothel situation? Like, that's got to be a lot of overhead. Are you really, like, Airbnbs are kind of expensive. Well, but isn't sleeping with a prostitute for a night rather expensive as well? I wouldn't know more. Um, but I think the problem is that Airbnbs can only book one person at a time. So I feel like it's not an efficient way to run your brothel. Got it. I think that we're, I think you're pretty much in the clear unless somebody rents your house to turn it into a brothel, in which case, like, you're just kind of fucking screwed. Like, what are you going to do? Okay, we'll, we'll find out later. <laughs> If I were to only approve people to stay with me that I thought thought were hot, hot. and then, like, like, is that that unethical? Um, You know what? This is one of those things where Airbnb is, like, flouting all laws and things, because that's housing discrimination, isn't it? (laughs) Housing discrimination. Good point, Maureen. I know this, because I know a chick that once that some guy was like, I really want you to, like, move in because you're hot. And she's like, that's housing discrimination. I know it's working for me right now, but that is illegal, and you're not allowed to do things like that. Well, I wouldn't do it. I was just using it as an example. You better rent to someone you hate now. Damn it. (laughs) Um... I was really proud of her for standing up with that. Yeah, good for her. Did she take the place in the end? Um, no, because the guy was going to want to sleep with her the whole time. Yeah, if it was a good apartment, it's a good apartment. <laughs> Real estate's <laughs> tough, dude. <laughs> Fair enough. I have to say, though, the bigger dilemma to me, um, perhaps maybe because I'm just like a highly ethically dubious human, that I was like, oh, fuck, customer ratings. Ooh. Like, never hit on the Uber driver. What if he drops your ratings down? Fair. I'll, or it kills you. Like, after you sleep with him, can you be honest about, like, the bathroom being kind of gross? Or is it, like, now, like, a double insult because you've been intimate and you didn't want Oh, you definitely you know, can't, you can't, you can't be honest. anything once you fucked him. I right. mean, no. I didn't think about the customer reviews. My other fear would be, well, okay, when you hit on somebody in a sort of, like, transactional space that does get a little dicey you know like if you're gonna hit on the like the waiter the whatever because you're in this like weird dynamic where they can't get away from you to some degree um i think my bigger fear with all airbnb hookups is merely that one person will feel trapped 
Um, well, I don't know. It's ha- it sounded like there was a mutual vibe. Yeah. It doesn't feel like predatory. So. It's dicey and it in is. much the way that, say, like a workplace romance would go. Exactly. Or um, it's you tread very carefully. All I love don't think it's dicey prostitution. Marine, you know. <laughs> this <laughs> is true. All high stakes game here. I mean, I guess it's not the Airbnb hookup is not like the ideal situation just because you're trapped in someone's home and like if it goes south you are it's not ideal but it's also kind of the most likely because you're wandering about in a towel and shit right in someone's space i don't know and it's a great travel story so if it feels right i say go for it it's not prostitution it's just a good story if he gives you a discount on the room then we have then you're in some trouble (laughs) check the local laws he reimburses you after the sex there's a problem (laughs) So we also had some great responses to our recent interview with online dating ghostwriter Lisa Hone, during which she told us she was convinced people needed help with their profiles by virtue of an unfortunate, or perhaps very fortunate, date with a guy who turned out to be a literal clown. (laughs) Oh, really? I personally just, like, was so for it. I was like, do you still have that guy's number? A clown? I would totally date a clown. Oh, that... that that think of changes, what joy and mirth you would how bring. I think about you, Maureen. That just like changed some stuff for me about you. I think I just we'll have talk a really later. high. I mean, I date for the stories. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I don't date for love. <laughs> so we asked if any of you had some similar online dating horror stories or glory stories. And here are two of our favorites. Was that really dorky? <laughs> it was so Fuck dorky. you. One time I had a guy show up with cards to prompt himself about stories. <laughs> so we, you know, went on the date and when there was a lull and, you know, I'm a pretty chatty person, so it was not a long lull. He pulled out a card and then started reading this like interesting anecdote that happened to him and his roommate. And when I, you know, interrupted to one, ask a clarifying question about the anecdote and to confirm that this is what he was doing, it totally threw him off. And, yeah, it was just, just super, super bizarre. So that's my favorite bad date story. Oh, I'm, like, on my that heart. guy's side. He's just so nervous, right? Yeah, I mean, I so feel for him, and yet I also wouldn't necessarily want to be stuck on that date. Absolutely not, but, like, I really get it, you know. There has to be a cue card. If anybody, any women out there who speak with cue cards, we're going to love connect you to this guy. <laughs> but, like, think about, like, I don't Aww. know if you do this. I definitely recite little things in my head that I want to say when I'm on a date to make sure that I really get across the, like, good stuff, you know? Oh, totally. That I'm, like, practicing my material and then right. I realize I'm talking to myself. And you know somewhere along the line this guy was talking to, like, a friend or a coworker or, like, a, I don't know, a, like a speech coach and was like, I just can't talk on dates. What do I do? Help me. And someone gave him this kind of bad advice. I just feel so bad for him. What would you do if you found his cue cards? Like, would that be really be a deal breaker? Aww. I personally think if I had discovered them, I'd be like, wow, this guy really made an effort and prepared for this date with me. That makes me feel nice. I'm going to give him a homework. second one. It is true that I like it's you effort. would. Yeah. 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 He's working for it. Yeah. Cue card um, guy. Get at me. That's fine. You know, actually, the only time I've seen cue cards like that was when um when I did that um sci fi speed dating at Comic Con. That yeah. was a situation in which yeah. um the very first person that I sat down with was a guy that had like a written like notes and he actually said and I was like, so what, what brings you here, you know? It's like, I'm interviewing people, blah, blah, blah. Um, by the way, that was the most intense interviewing experience of my life because I interviewed, like, 30 people in a row via speed dating. But the first guy was like, well, like, I have autism, and it's difficult for me to talk to people, so this is my, like, crash course. 
And I was like, that is the most intense, like, immersion therapy, right? To sit there and talk to 30 people in a row when he's like, I'm really bad at talking to girls. I can't make eye contact, but I have a list of things I can tell you. And I was like, please go ahead. And it was the sweetest thing in the world. But I also didn't date him. So right. well, you also you know. met him at Comic Con speed dating. Well, I also I was there in a professional high. capacity. Right. You know. Right. <laughs> oh, that poor guy. Yeah. So you know, it could be that maybe different contexts are more appropriate for cue cards than others. Like a business meeting versus a date, or like what do you mean? Like speed dating? I don't oh, know, because you already yeah. have like you take notes when you speed date, anyways. Right. You have to write down the people you like or don't like. Oh, yeah, I guess I did that one. You're right. The one time I went um, paper bag speed dating. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> you could have the notes written on the inside of the bag. Right. That's... This is when Allison went speed dating with a paper bag over her face. Best date I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> did you go on a date with any of those people? No, I was like the most unpopular person at that event, actually. Everyone thought I was like too glib and bitchy. Well, maybe that means that normally people are just falling in love with your face, Allison. I think How I does just, that make I you think, feel? No, I think what it is is I have a really nice face. Yeah. Not like pretty, just like it's like round. You can't see this people, but I'll describe my face. <laughs> it's like round and kind of childlike. So people think I'm very sweet even when I'm saying horrible things. Oh. But without being able to see my nice like kid face. and Your I was smile. Just, and I was being a dick, basically. That's true. When yeah. you deliver like sarcastic lines with like a deadpan face, it's one thing. But when it's like a beautiful Allison smile, it feels different. It doesn't feel like I'm insulting you. But I insult you a lot of people are. that way. You actually are. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and next, um, also on the topic of online dating stories, is a listener named Caitlin. Poor Caitlin. Uh-oh. So I thought I kind of knew him pretty well, and we'd been texting for, like, about a month at this point. And it was our second date. It was about two or three weeks after the first date. Um, the first thing went well, nothing out of the ordinary. As we watched a baseball game together, and it was totally normal. Um, and then our second date, uh, we go to a bar, and afterwards, um, he's like, oh, come back to my apartment. Let's go uh, hang out and drink some more at my apartment. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, he's pretty cute. Like, I'm into it. I, I want to go back with him. And I go back with him, and he introduces me. So, first of all, my name's Kaylin, and he introduces me to his roommate. And he goes, hey, Michael, uh, this is my date. Uh, her name's Karen. So, he calls me Karen, which caught me completely off guard because – We'd been texting, and we'd been literally speaking to each other and calling each other the correct name, and he was calling me the correct name. He calls me Karen to his roommate, and I was so caught off guard that I didn't correct him, and I just kind of smiled and embraced my new identity as Karen, and I was, like, very angry, of course, because no one likes to be called the wrong name, but at this point, you know, I'd already gone through the trouble. I put in a lot of effort. And at this point, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go with it. And I hooked up with him that night because, honestly, at this point, you know, I wanted to get something out of it. So I just kind of embraced my new identity. What I really wonder, though, is as she embraced her new identity as Karen, like, is Karen a fun in bed? Right? What's like, Karen is that, like? Is that like a little, like, foreplay? Um, yeah, I think you really needed to... Uh... Correct him at the outset. That is hard though, because if you don't correct somebody in the moment, it's you hard to go back again. and do it. Yeah, you're a reassigned. Or you can just pretend you didn't hear. You've been rebranded, Karen. Now I have to say, is it possible this was a power move by forgetting a name? Because I have been known to do such a oh, thing to be a giant bitch. Wow, um, Maureen. No, what actually happened once was um this guy I picked up a guy at a bar, super fucking drunk. 
we hook up. The next morning, <laughs> we wake up and we're like chatting and he's we're joking and it's fun and everything. And he admits that he can't remember my name, which I start laughing hysterically. And I'm like, seriously. And he starts trying to guess it. And he does like three names wrong. And then he gets to Renee. And I go, oh, my God, seriously. You were joking, right? You knew that was my name. And he persisted to call me Renee for like weeks. Renee. And we continued to date. And I was Renee. And it was so fun. Renee was such a wild girl. And then what actually <laughs> happened was he actually saw mail at my house. And it was like, fuck you. That's funny. But we're actually still friends. Right. I, actually, this is a guy I once tried to set up with Allison. It did. He was too busy. It never <laughs> worked out. You maybe don't want to date the guy who was so down that he was like, what? Your name isn't Renee? Weird. And we just moved on. <laughs> Although I like the like sustained joke. Like if you're going to like commit to it, commit to it. Like, But now I'm so into it. Like Renee is definitely my like, there was, in fact, like, when I've been out, when, when somebody, you know, like when I want to be someone new or when someone's hating on me and I don't feel like telling them my name. Renee. Um, no, I kind of dig it when people get my name wrong. You're so weird. <laughs> I know. So twisted. I want to date clowns <laughs> and I want men to get my name wrong. I'm trying to think about the, the name. My friend Dara went on a date. Sorry, Dara, if you didn't want me to tell the story. <laughs> um, and the second date, the guy kept calling her by the wrong name. He kept calling her Darla. And then she started calling him uh, Rich instead of Rob. And he was like, you know, my name's not Rich, right? And she goes, yeah, my name's not Darla either. I thought we were just playing around. <laughs> so, like, I guess if you just, like, joke. The, yeah, it was very clever that they have, like, they a good back. laugh. Yeah. But, like, part of her was kind of like, why did you forget my name on our second date? But I guess people just have little brain lapses. When I do that, I yeah, really do. I, I think know. that's why I like fucking with it because I just like categorically. I was at um, I was at a bar maybe like a week ago, and I was talking to this guy, and I seriously forgot his name like five times over the course of a single conversation. It was like ridiculous. And that at the happens. End, but I was like, do you want to change numbers? <laughs> you know? And he's like, you forgot my name like five <laughs> times. No, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I know. But and even... I was like, wait, but you're really cute. I was just really distracted by your face. <laughs> but even like on like dates I've got on from Tinder, like. I'll have to remind myself halfway through, like, what is this person's name? You yeah. just use names so infrequently, I guess. I'm gonna I'm gonna excuse it. I think it does suggest dating at a high frequency though. Yeah. When you're like you're going through lots of new names right. and you forget them. But I mean like, that's a circumstance in which I usually forget. That all goes back to the power play. So in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the correct move now, I think we've now established the protocol is if somebody fucks up your name, you fuck up their name right back. Right. You play the game. <laughs> Karen. Yeah. Caitlin. Player's gonna play. <laughs> so thank you all so much for calling in. We love hearing from you, and we can never get enough voicemails. So call us anytime at 646-494-3590. Um, and if, in case any of you are worried, you're going to have to talk to an actual person when you call. If you're not, it's just a Google Voice number. So all you have to do is call in, say your name. doesn't even have to be your real name. Um, it'll go straight to a voicemail box, and you can tell us whatever you want. Um, and I guess this week, you can just tell us whatever you want. I guess we don't have a question this week. Um, I want to know why people aren't having sex right now. I'm just, like, in a sex drought, and I'm wondering if other people are not getting laid and why. Ah, thank you, Allison, for the very <laughs> relevant question. Personally are motivated. you not getting laid? What has caused your not getting laidness? When have you chosen celibacy or not? So anyways, tell us about your sex droughts and your sexlessness. And that's it for Sex Lives. Um, thanks so much for calling in. Sex Lives is produced by Sam Dingman. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. And for Allison Davis and me. See you next week. And thanks for listening. Are we supposed to say like four people? <laughs> right. Names? For, for Allison and myself.
Experience the most delicious, entertaining, and bizarre parts of life in the big city with New York Magazine's collection of podcasts, available exclusively from Panoply. Tune into the Grub Street podcast for restaurant trends that'll soon be sweeping the country. Catch exclusive interviews with the stars of your favorite TV shows with the Vulture TV podcast. And check out Sex Lives for intimate discussions of sex in the real city. It's like taking a trip to New York from the comfort of your earbuds.